This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. All right, welcome back to another episode of Breaking Pod. I'm joined as always on the other line by Zach. Zach, how are you doing? We are doing well, Josh. We are all healthy, I'm happy to say. Uh, Hopefully you guys are as well and following social distancing guidelines and not getting too stir crazy in the house. That's the biggest thing, especially when you have kids. I think for for like an introvert without kids, this is in some ways a dream come true. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm just talking about the isolation quarantine. I'm not talking about the epidemic that's killing people. I'm just talking about right, right, you know, right. someone being like, you can't leave your house. You have to stay there. Uh, for an introvert with kids, uh, like my wife, or an extrovert with kids, it's really kind of a terrible thing because you're just like <laughs> stuck in a confined space. Uh, yeah. You know, can't see all your friends, all that stuff. Uh, I mean, I yeah. love my kids dearly, tremendously, but uh, you know, some, some uh, outside activities are also good. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I consider myself an introvert. I think by definition, I'm an introvert. So I I recharge best when I'm by myself. And so I need that time. And so this has been particularly hard for me being, I mean, we're lucky we have a house, like we have a lot of space to go. So that's nice. But, you know, not being able to get out much other than going outside for walks and bike rides and things like that. It's been, it's been tough, but, you know, certainly people have it worse. So I I totally see that. But yeah, it's been, it's been an adjustment for me. Now, Josh, I know you're a night owl. Uh, I'm not exactly a night owl, but what I was going to ask you is, do you find yourself staying up later and later at night to buy yourself kind of that like recharge solo time? Because that's what that's I exactly do. Why, that's exactly why I do it. Yeah. And it and it is tough because usually like when you have kids, you have to put them to bed and then you you want some time with your your spouse. And so that takes up, not takes up some time, but you want to spend time with that. Yeah, totally. But then by the time they're ready to go to bed, it's like, it's getting kind of late. Right. And then you're like finally settling in to do a little bit of, you know, just like TV watching or reading or whatever by yourself just to sort of recharge in that way. And yeah, I do find myself staying up later and later. And I've also got a couple of other creative projects that have been keeping me up late. So uh, hopefully I'll get back on the proper sleeping bandwagon soon. Yeah, no, me too. I mean, I, I just am getting, I'm not getting the much sleep because uh, I have the the kind of time for my creative projects and the right. only time I can do them is late at night because I have a day yeah. job like you do. And yep. uh, and that's great that, that it provides income for my family. So I'm not complaining about that. But it's right. time that I can't spend on these creative endeavors that I also want to do. So Exactly. Well, we're excited today to bring you Season 3, Episode 2 of Breaking Bad. We're going to recap it here. We're going to talk a little bit about it. The episode title, as Zach, my Spanish tutor, <laughs> informed me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is... <laughs> That's saying something because I don't think Zach's a fluent Spanish speaker either. Uh, I am not even a a non-fluent Spanish speaker. (laughs) (laughs) But he did tell me how to better pronounce it. So the episode title is called Caballo Sin Nombre. Oh, nailed it. It's not bad. Not bad. No, you're Uh, ready to go join uh, join the cartel right now. (laughs) Which which we both looked up. Yeah, which we both looked up. Uh, You know, I did Google Translate and it translates to horse without name. Is that what you got as well? Yes, that is correct. I believe it would translate to the vernacular as horse with no name. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. Google uh, doesn't doesn't uh, give you the vernacular. It doesn't understand pop culture references to uh, to famous songs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So first, we're going to kick it off by giving you the two minute summary from Wikipedia. We'll give our grade of that summary, and then we'll jump into any broader thoughts and themes, best scene, best writing, best moment. So are you ready for me to kick it off with a two minute summary? I am so ready. Okay, here we go. So, from Wikipedia, Walt is having 
difficulty adjusting to his new life. He does not want to be a criminal and refuses to get into drug <laughs> manufacturing again. I can't even oh, get boy. through with a straight face. <laughs> We're two sentences in and it's not good. It's not good. Okay. He has an encounter with a police officer, but manages to avoid charges, courtesy of brother-in-law Hank's intervention. Skyler will not let him return home, and Walt Jr. is having trouble understanding how his mother can treat his father this way. Walt's sleazy lawyer partner Saul Goodman wants him to start producing meth again and takes steps to encourage him in that direction. Unbeknownst to Walt, the Mexican cousins now know where he lives. Jesse, meanwhile, stops by his old house and discovers that his parents have had it renovated and have put it up for sale. Relations are still cool between them, but Jesse approaches Saul to buy the house from his parents. Okay, so that last this sentence. Is... This is, okay, well, let's, let's give the grade first and then oh my we can talk through what about this may be wrong. So uh, we've we've read some like, you know, halfway competent summaries and given a C minus. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, this is not that. I think no. this has to be max a D. Can we yeah. do a D minus? Do we have yeah, pluses and minuses? D minus. Okay, yeah, D I was going to say yeah. D minus. Because right, we can't that. give it an F because it is a summary. Right. But it's it's not good. It's not even in the right order that the episode <laughs> no, happens. Because <laughs> I was reading through this and I was like, at first I was like, did I watch this episode? <laughs> because it's so out of order of the way that the episode occurs. And just some of the ways they're describing relations are still cool between them now that's not how i would describe jesse and his parents he does not want to be a criminal <laughs> <laughs> that's well you've, you've described uh, walt to a t there there's nothing else, nothing left to say yeah so i think d minus is is a pretty good pretty good uh grade for this pretty terrible summary yeah i would agree uh, some other issues with this summary that we can point out here josh i think you were gonna point out beyond the relations are still cool uh, Jesse approaching Saul to buy the house from his parents. There's a little more. There's a little more to uh, to that story as well. Um, yeah. I would also say uh, the Mexican cousins. We need a little more description about who the Mexican <laughs> cousins are. It could um, literally be any Mexican cousins. Yeah. We need a little bit more detail. Yeah. Uh, an encounter with a police officer. I mean, nothing here about him getting belligerent with a police officer at a traffic stop. Right. Uh, just to provide a little more context, perhaps. Um. Yeah, yeah so, just, it just leaves a lot to be desired. And it's a little offensive that they describe Saul Goodman as sleazy. That guy is yeah. a class act. <laughs> He's a criminal lawyer. <laughs> you don't need a criminal lawyer. You need a, a criminal, criminal lawyer. <laughs> yeah, so the summary is not good, but the episode's not bad. I, I, I said to Zach before we started recording, this is not my favorite episode. We talked, uh, you know, in the first episode of this season that we're starting off season three with sort of a slow burn into what is going to be very dramatic and very exciting, I think, when we get into the season, because they're sort of teasing this sort of relationship with Gus Fring. We're not really sure what's going to happen there. You know, this whole situation between Walt and Skylar has reached a, a breaking point and she's kicked him out of the house. And, and so I think things are building to a very exciting level. But at this point, it's still pretty slow. Is that what you're getting from this as well? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It is slow. This is the kind of Breaking Bad trademark. Um, and it's exactly the reason why so many people I know, including some people who are really into film, haven't seen Breaking Bad because it just starts out so slowly at various points in the story arc, especially the beginnings of seasons. Yeah. And and one of the other things I'll say about this, you know, sometimes we talk through broader, broader thoughts and themes. I don't know if you had anything that you picked out from this, Zach, but for me, this this episode is more table setting than anything else. So 
I don't necessarily think that it advances sort of like character arcs necessarily or gives us really anything big to dig into here. Did you get anything different than that? Yeah, I would largely agree with that. I mean, this episode has some moments that I think we'll talk about. Uh, We'll get to the best scene in just a second, but those those described Mexican cousins in the summary, uh, they are working for the cartel. They are cousins of Tuca Salamanca. They make a pretty strong appearance in what what is a pretty tense scene, I think, as far as you know, ranking the scenes that we've we've uh, watched in Breaking Bad so far. It's a pretty tense one. Um, and then there's your best moment that we'll talk about later. That's a pretty iconic Breaking Bad scene as well. So this this episode has some of that. Um, but but you're right, it's a little light on character development. I will say the one thing is uh, we're going to talk about this scene as well. But Walt and Walt Jr. in the apartment, I think you see the wheels in Walt's mind start turning a little bit. Um, and he's always manipulative, of course figuring out how he can get what he wants out of people and out of relationships. In this case, how he can get his family back to the way he wants his life around him. Um, and I think you can see the wheels start to turn there. But that's that's almost it as far as character development in this in this episode, I think. Um, yeah, so, so I think we should just jump into the best scene here. And why don't we start with yours? Because you don't have any audio for yours. And we can tie, it sort of closes out the episode. And I think it's a good place for us to start here. Yeah, sounds great. Well, this is um, when those those cousins of Salamanca, the Salamanca cousins, are in town. They're there to kill Walt uh, because the cartel has figured out somehow. Uh, and I don't I don't remember if this is clear to us or not, um, Josh, but they figured out somehow that Walt is essentially responsible for the death of Tuco. Yeah, I don't I don't think we know too much about how they all how they I remember know. from the first episode is that they have the picture of Walt as Heisenberg that they sort of crawl to and whatever that weird like mantle or altar that they're crawling to. I don't even know what that is. But other than that, I'm not sure we know exactly how the connection's been made other than than Hector Salamanca, who they go to see in this in this episode. So I actually do know uh, what that thing that they're crawling to is. Okay. Uh, I'll come back to that in a second. But okay. yeah, I think we can just, we can surmise that Tuco had told the Salamanca cartel that he was coming back to Mexico with Heisenberg because remember he had kidnapped Walt right, right, and right. Jesse, right? Yep. And so then when he dies in the desert killed by a DEA agent, the cartel is probably like, who do we blame? We're going to blame the guy that, you know, his his uh, supplier that he took out into the desert. Right. So I guess we could probably draw those, those dots. So my best scene is when these Salamaca cousins are in town there to kill Heisenberg, a.k.a. Walter White, and they uh, they break into his house how exactly they do, it's not clear. I mean, these guys are pretty slick. They're, they're very suave in everything they do. They walk around in these super tailored, uh, very expensive looking handmade suits and carry things like an axe because it's just, it's, it's, it's how they do it, I guess. And they, they're sitting, they break into his house while Walt is in there. He's in the shower and they're just sitting on his bed with the axe laid across the lap of one of them waiting for him to get out. And it's, it's pretty tense. I think it's a pretty pretty intense scene, the way it's filmed, the way it's set up, the way the uh, sound effects are in, the way it cuts between Walt naked in the shower and the tw- the twins in their sharp suits sitting on the bed with the, the axe uh, on their laps. And then uh, it's Mike, who just by happenstance happens to be, I guess it's not exactly happenstance, but it's a coincidence that the timing lines up, that he is installing a bug at Heisenberg's house on behalf of Gus Fring, uh, while the twins are there. So he sees them, calls Gus. Gus makes some kind of phone call to the cartel that leads them to call the twins, the, the cousins off. Uh, they're probably twins. I don't know, twin cousins. They look like twins. Um, yeah. and, uh, they are brothers and, in real life. Oh, are they really? Okay, I would yeah, believe that. I mean, they, they, they at least have the same last name, okay. according to the credits. Yeah, uh, I bet they are then. They look very similar. 
And so they get called off and Walt comes out of the shower. None the worse. Never knew they were there. Never knew that he was, he was that close to getting his head chopped off literally. Uh, and so, so I just like the way that they kind of amped up the, the intensity for that scene in the midst of what was really a pretty slow episode. Like we've talked about. Yeah, no. And, and I do like at the end of that, like when Walt comes out of the shower, there's no one there. And then you cut back to Mike who's sitting in his car and he's like, yep, he's still standing. And then it's like, and then he's like, uh, He's none the wiser. You know, he has that sort of like intonation in his voice. Here, here's the thing. One thing I will point out about the cousins, like give them all the credit for being creepy cartel members. But I do think that they didn't have to break in because remember, this is right after Walt has broken into his own house to get back in. I'm pretty sure he leaves the front door unlocked because they, I remember, I think I'm remembering, remembering a scene where they just sort of push it open. Oh, like, okay. Maybe he so, came yeah, back in the house. It. He came back in the house, and I think he's afraid of locking himself out because Skyler has changed the lock since she kicked him out. Makes sense. And so he leaves the door unlocked while he goes to shower. And they just probably walk not in. smart, you know, it, it generally to leave your doors unlocked when you're not going to be present. But yeah, so they they are waiting for him. I like this scene as well, and I do find it it very tense, and it is a nice sort of action packed moment at the end of the episode. The one thing I will say that that I don't love about it is sort of all the coincidences that have to happen for Walt to get out unscathed. So Mike just happens to be there. He makes a timely phone call to the associate of Gus. I can't remember that guy's name. He's in Better Call Saul too, who then goes and tells Gus, who just happens to be at the the laundromat and not at Los Poyos Hermanos, who just happens to be able to call the cartel and call this off. So it's like a lot of, you know, you have to kind of set aside your expectations for would this really happen? But other than that, it's a it's a really it's a really fun scene. Are you picking a nit, Josh? I am, but I I have a bigger nit to pick with this scene that I'll just say now. Yeah. That if you look closely, they do they do a couple close ups of this really like shiny axe that they're carrying, and it is a very dull axe. Now maybe that was the point. Maybe they were just gonna like blunt force trauma him. Yeah, I think to it's, death. it's more painful if it's dull, right? Yeah, but it's like. You think of an axe and you think of like the sharp thing that's going to be able to inflict like, you know, these these gash wounds. This this one is not doing that at all. This is just one force trauma. Yeah, exactly. So that was my only nit to pick with regards to that. So, well, hey, I said that I knew who that um, that thing was that they're bowing to in the first episode of the season. Can we go back to that? Yeah. So that is it's it's uh, it's called uh, Nuestra Senora. What is it? Nuestra Senora something santa muerta but it's basically called our lady of holy death uh-huh and it is a uh it is a mexican um like folk deity that is associated with the occult got it <clears throat> and so obviously mexican mexico is a very catholic country uh devotion to our lady as in mary the virgin mary mother of jesus is very strong there Mexico is the place of the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe, for example. Um, and so devotion to Our Lady is very strong. And this uh, Nuestra Señora uh, de la Santa Muerta is like an inverse Mary. So it's really got like it. a, it's got a, it, it's, it. a it's a, it's a, um, it's a kind of demonic uh, cult surrounding an anti-Mary, if you will. And got so, it. so this um, deity which has been roundly condemned by the Catholic church for obvious reasons, uh, has a pretty large following in Mexico and she's supposed to, uh, be able to deliver healing, um, protection, safe passage into the afterlife, et cetera. Um, but the entire cult itself is about death. So 
That's why if you watch in the first episode, and I've seen it before, I didn't want to watch it again, so I just fast forward. It makes me kind of uncomfortable to see that um, demonic representation. But if you see that the the eye or the the statue, the icon itself is is a skeleton, right? Like kind of veiled yeah. and everything. So it's it's very much an anti Mary. It's the antithesis of what uh, the Catholic Church holds in the veneration of Mary. Got it. So what you're saying is these are not great people. Not great. Yeah, that would be accurate. Correct. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to my best scene here, unless you have anything else to add for yours. No. That's it. Okay, so my best scene in this episode is is it's not necessarily the the greatest most exciting scene, but it's a scene where Saul is negotiating with Jesse's parents for the sale of the house. And the reason that I like this scene so much is because it's just a really fun and very confident moment for a character that we're still starting to get to know. And I've talked in the past when we first met Saul back in season 2, but He's one of my favorite characters and has become even more so now that I've been watching the prequel, Better, Better Call, Call Saul. Saul. Yeah, so good. And so I just like these scenes where his character seems so confident and we're learning more about him even in this early stage. And it also, the other reason that I like it is because it goes to show you that Jesse does have some smarts. Like sometimes you think that he's not able to operate outside of Walt's guidance. And this is just a small example of how He's smart enough to send Saul in to negotiate with their lawyer to say, hey, I want to buy this house. So we'll hear a little bit of that negotiation that Saul has here. I don't know. I just thought some allowance was in order once I heard about the meth lab, the one that used to be in the basement. I looked over your signed disclosure statements and I don't see any mention of a meth lab. No, no. Oh, you got your termite inspection. That's good. But no meth lab. Now, some would call that fraud in service of concealing a felony. I myself am more open-minded, but it is tricky. Yeah, he's just he's just a really fun character. I don't, I don't know how much more there is to say about that, but I no, also... I mean, that's, that's right. Can I, can I go to my best writing? Because it, it dovetails, I think, very well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my best writing is another Saul Goodman scene. And again, I think when you have a slower episode, like you were saying, Josh, you kind of gravitate towards the colorful characters that that just are really confident and, and give you kind of something uh, entertaining to watch. And so my best scene is Saul sitting down with Walt. He wouldn't, he knows that Walt is having marital, marital problems and uh, he, he's basically encouraging Walt to, you know, get back out there. Plenty of fish in the sea. It's pretty funny. It's bad. It's a calamity, but we live to fight another day. And after a decent interval of time, well, there are other fish in the sea. You've been out of circulation for a while. I mean, you'll be just amazed at what's out there. Thailand, the Czech Republic. I mean, those women are so grateful to even be here. Yeah, so I, I just I just like Saul as a character. And you're right. In these moments where the episode is going a little bit more slowly, they sort of drive the plot along. And so, and and these are going to become more important because Saul being a presence in the lives of Jesse and Walt is going to become important as the series progresses. And so having him have these little touch bases where he's not necessarily doing the work that he was doing in terms of trying to find them, uh, you know, a meth buyer, but he's still, you know, in their lives. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So I guess we can jump over to my best writing since you knocked yours out there, unless you have anything to add about Saul as a character. No, I think uh, I think you've t- you've hit on everything that I wanted to touch. Is just the uh, 
he's a colorful character. He's always fun. He's got good lines. They write the dialogue very well for him. It's always it's yeah. always fun. I will say one thing about my best scene. I chose that scene despite the fact that it features Jesse's parents, who we've talked on this podcast before, as being not the best actors. <laughs> right. And <laughs> so I'm glad they didn't have the bulk of that scene. All right. So my best writing. So the sequence of events here is that Walt gets kicked out of his house. He goes to live in this really crummy apartment. And, you know, he's sort of there alone. And he has this he has this moment where he comes home from work, you assume, or he comes home from somewhere. He's holding a briefcase and he walks up to his apartment and Walt Jr. is waiting for him outside, sitting with all of his bags. And they have a conversation inside the apartment after Walt calls Skyler and says, look, I'm going to bring him back. But, you know, maybe I can come over to the house and bring him home. But what I like about this scene, and we're going to hear a little bit of it in just a second, is that the the whole dynamic of of Walt being kicked out of the house is so like perverse because he's the he's clearly the one who has done wrong. He is clearly the one who has, you know, uh, abandoned his marriage and his family by becoming a meth manufacturer, even though according to the Wikipedia summary, he doesn't want to be a meth manufacturer anymore. So you know, it's it's just so sad to like watch these scenes where Walt Jr. is like hating his mom and hating everything about her because he thinks she just randomly kicked him She's out. She's responsible for and all I, of the divisions in the family. Right. And I have a little bit of a nit to pick here because like he seems to be of an <laughs> Yeah. He seems to be of an age though that where he might be able to deduce a little bit of something like might he think that someone's having an affair? Like he's at an age where you would think he would come up with something. Now he probably wouldn't get to like, Oh, my dad's a, a drug dealer, drug manufacturer. But I just feel like a little bit, like maybe he should come to a, some sort of a conclusion. Oftentimes he says like, no one's telling me anything. No one knows what's going on. Anyway, we'll hear a little bit of the scene and then we can talk a little bit more about it. So just before I play that one quick thing that I, that I would say though, Josh, I don't know if I totally agree with your nit to pick because of two reasons. One, do you think he really looks at his dad as the kind of person who would have an affair? Right? No, like, no, like, not necessarily. But but he has said before, like they've had tension in the house. So it's not as if, like, I, I mentioned this when we talked about Walt Jr. doing, raising the money for his dad online and how when they sat down with the news crew back in season two, yep. how he said, my dad's the greatest. There's nothing yep. wrong about him. But that didn't really fit with what we'd seen. Now, you had pointed out at that time that Maybe he was just putting on a show for the news cameras, although Walt Jr. doesn't necessarily seem like the kind of person who would think that necessarily. Yeah. So I, I'm a, I'm just a little like, maybe it's just a little character like misstep from yeah. Breaking Bad, but it just seems like he's at an old enough age where he might think something, maybe not yeah. an affair. Uh, no, I totally I see know. that. The only other thing I would say is, and this kind of goes goes along with your point about the TV interview. There's a kind of halo effect, I think, when when someone you know is going through something like cancer and you realize you might lose them. Yeah. All of a sudden no, they become fair. all of a sudden become the person who can't do anything wrong, right? Right. Um and so maybe No, that's totally fair. Yeah, maybe there's some of that going on too. Okay. But, but I do think I mean like yeah, he's he's high school and like high schoolers are not naive. Like there are a lot of things but they're not naive, right? And right. so I do think that there there'd be something going at least he'd be asking questions, right? Like even yeah. if he wasn't like pointing fingers, he'd at least be asking questions and you would right. see some of that coming out in the dialogue. So I agree. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. All right, so here's the scene. This is just how it has to be. For now, okay? Now look, your home is your home, and that is where you belong, okay? But it's where you belong. Dad, it, it's your house. 
Uncle Hank, Aunt Marie, everybody knows that you haven't done anything wrong. Everybody is on your side. Well, it's 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 not about taking sides, though. How can how can you let her treat you like this? Uh, come on. How 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 can you just just take now, it? Just listen to me, okay? No matter what, all of this has nothing to do with how we feel about you, okay? We both love you very very much, okay? You and your sister will come first. So one thing that strikes me there is that. Again, just kind of speaking to Walt's emotional stuntedness, he's always trying to say the right thing to connect, but that's not the right thing to say to Walter Jr. there. You know, it's just right. like, oh, child upset at divorce. <laughs> Let me just reiterate how much I love them. <laughs> yeah, Robot Walt comes out again. Yeah. I think the thing, we, we, we already mentioned it a little bit, but this is just more of Walt's manipulation coming out. And I, I just find the scene like so sad because... I also get the sense that Walt sort of loves that this is happening because he's now the good guy and his family, not just Walt Jr., but Walt Jr. also mentions that Hank and Marie think Walt didn't do anything wrong. And so I think secretly, if he could just get Skylar back on board, he feels like he's in the clear. And and I sort of wonder, does he really want that or does he only want it because he can't have it type of a yeah. thing? It's like, sort of the pursuit that he likes as opposed to the actual result that he's going to like. But this whole, th there's such a, an interesting dynamic here that I just really like. So that's why I picked this one as my best rating. Look, I could not agree more. I mean, remember I said one of the things I like about this episode is the wheels turning in that scene specifically. Yeah. And it's when, it, unfortunately, we can't show the visual, but, you know, listeners go back and check this out. If you look at Walt's face right after Walt Jr. says, everyone's on your side. There's almost what looks like, I don't know if you noticed this, Josh, or maybe I'm making it up, but I think it's there. There's, there's like the very beginnings of a smirk and he has to yeah. like check himself and then say, you know, it's not about taking sides, but clearly he's very self self-satisfied with the fact that Walt Jr. and everyone else is on his side. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I, I can see that as well. All right, let's move on to best moment and we'll start with yours because yours has some dialogue and, and mine doesn't have any. So what is your best moment from this episode? Yeah, very briefly, my best moment is probably the first best moment I've ever uh, had that that features Walt Jr. as the <laughs> star. Maybe the, the only. Maybe the yeah, only. Let's one, not give him too much credit. One and only. Uh, enjoy yeah. it while it lasts. So this is at the dinner table uh, when he now insists on yet another name change. You know, um, Flynn uh, here is looking for a part-time job, so I don't know if you know of anything you might want to... My my name's Walter Jr. Like, like what? You can't you can't even say his name. Um, if you've changed your mind about being called Flynn, all you need to do is just tell me that you don't want to. You be know called what? Flynn. Dad didn't even show till fourth period, and his eyes were all red, like he's been crying or something. So, uh, Skyler has a lot of character flaws as a as a character. Uh, but I feel for her in this situation. I mean, I definitely this, feel for her too. This kid, uh, I mean, I get that he's, his parents are going through a separation and all that. And he's going through a lot. Uh, but this kid's kind of being a jerk. He has changed his name, uh, multiple times now. And now he just decides to, you know, his mom's trying to help him out and like get him a job. And he's just deciding to now change his name back to Walter Jr., presumably in honor of his father. And he decides to get mad that his mom doesn't even care that they're separated, yada, yada, yada. Yes, and we as the audience know that, that Walt did not show up because he was crying. He showed up late because he was in the police station and had gotten maced in the face. 
almost the same thing. I would, probably, the same I would thing. probably cry if I was Mason in the face. <laughs> yeah. By the way, funny little anecdote here. When I was in college, I had a, a friend, we were sitting in the library, all in like the, the talking area of the library. And she had a little thing of mace on her keychain and i'd never really seen it before so i picked it up and i was looking at it and i accidentally pressed the button no and it sprayed everywhere i did it was a total accident it sprayed everywhere and literally this we're talking like an open plan library floor plan here (laughs) everybody in the immediate area started like gagging i i just i left i had to leave because this I is sprayed such a mace. good story oh my yeah. goodness so that was my experience with mace it's it's no joke it's no joke don't get that in your eye that's really funny all right well i will move on to my best moment here this one does not have audio but following the scene that we heard from you know walt and walt jr talking in his crummy apartment walt then brings he brings walt jr back to the house and instead of just bringing him he brings a pizza because he wants to stay he wants to stay with Skylar and he wants to talk about, talk through everything. So he thinks I'll bring dinner and everything will be fine. Well, Skylar flatly rejects him. Walt then leaves carrying this huge bag. It's like one of those jumbo pizzas. I don't know, like it's 17 like inches, pizza. 18 inches. Yeah, it's huge. And he leaves the house super frustrated. And I'm just going to describe this because there's, there's no audio. He tosses the pizza back towards the house and it lands on the roof the pizza the box flops down on the driveway the pizza lands on the roof that is such an iconic breaking bad scene amazing and here's some fun facts about the scene i don't know if you knew they the props department had 10 pizzas ready to go and brian cranston nailed it on the first try i have heard that yeah also they had a big problem after this episode aired because fans of the show started going to the house where they filmed the exteriors and they also started trying to throw pizzas on the roof of the house <laughs> That is which is the even better part of this story. Yes. So the the creators Vince and it's Gilligan a real house, to, right? I mean, someone lives it's a real there. House. And that, yes. That's why it was a problem because yes. <laughs> imagine just having random uh, Breaking Bad fanboys coming up to your house and trying to throw pizzas on your roof. <laughs> yeah. So Vince Gilligan had to come out, I think, on social media and you know some some media articles saying, please, please, do not go to this house. Do not throw pizza. We appreciate your fandom, but stop doing this <laughs> because people really live there. It's so good. So that's a that's a great moment. Um, that's all I have for, for best moment. So I think the only thing left to do are nits to pick anything else. And then our MVP for this episode, Zach, did you have any nits? I think I gave mine. You did. Yes. I have one nit to pick. And that is the scene in which, um, Walt wakes up surrounded by, you know, popcorn crumbs (laughs) and a mess that he made. And I think what we're supposed to think is like, this guy is really kind of disheveled and out of it, et cetera, frustrated. All that's probably true, but I think my nit is that it doesn't comport with the Walt that we've seen so far. Like, so yes, it's true that Walt gets frustrated and sometimes loses his temper, et cetera, all of those things. But it's not true that he makes a mess and doesn't clean it up. Uh, He's not the kind of person. I mean, for for crying out loud, this is the guy who cuts the crust off his PB and J before he eats it. Right. (laughs) So he's like, his whole life is about precision. And the fact that he would wake up, you know, oversleep literally in his tidy whiteies laying on all the popcorn that he didn't eat last night to me is a little bit like just what <laughs> what's going on here yeah yeah we don't see walt as like a messy person no. and i don't just mean that in like his physical space but he he always tries to like tidy up um but though i you know could be a metaphor for the, sort of the company he's starting to keep like his life is a mess but that might be a little bit of a stretch but hey we love to do that on breaking pod oh yeah no it's, i mean it's probably not a stretch i just i think maybe there's a there would be a better way to illustrate this than like now this guy's doing something completely out of character with sure. what we've seen him do because yeah, we, I mean, we've, we'll see an, an episode or a scene in the next episode 
where he's like so put together, despite the fact that everything's still falling around, falling apart around him. He's like so put together and able to put it on in front of the authorities even. So, right. No, I totally get that. All right. Last thing to do here is our MVP for this episode. Zach, I'm going to kick this to you first because uh, I actually don't have a great answer for this. So I kind of want to see where you go. No, I have I, two in, in my head. So I'm putting you on the spot by having you go first. Did you have an MVP for this episode? So um, I will say that I actually consider Walt Jr. I'll say that. No. I'll, I'll say that off the top of my head because Zach, no, I know. we have, well, he's never zilts zero. Never. Well, you'll see that displayed right here <laughs> on my notes. So that's, that's why he's not getting it. Yeah. No, he's yeah. really not getting it because although he has, he has like a few good lines, he, he doesn't carry the, carry the, the sure. episode at all. Um, I think, I think I'm going to go with Saul Goodman. Yeah. That's, uh, that's who I was going to go with as well. Yeah. Because he's got, he's got those couple scenes that kind of carry the episode. I mean, that's, that's the, our definition of the, of MVP. Um, he doesn't drive a lot of character development forward, but in a pretty slow developing episode, he kind of carries the viewer. So, right. And I think to, to my earlier point, he keeps things moving in a way that are going to be necessary for the future of the season and the series. So him coming to Walt and saying, you know, maybe you should get back in the game. You, you know that he's Walt's not going to go this entire season without cooking meth again, or at least exploring the idea. And so having Saul sort of pitch that to him in, in a fun way isn't just fun for the audience. It's also going to become important thematically and character wise as we move down the road so i will give it to saul as well and that's kind of an interesting thing because this is not saul's best episode and he's getting two mvp votes yeah it is i mean i think it just speaks to your point earlier it's a it's kind of a slow episode not to say it's bad but it's just it's slow there's not a whole lot that happens here all right so that brings saul goodman up to four mvp votes total and he is still trailing walt jesse and skyler but he is now tied with tuco who will receive no more MVP votes. Well, I mean, we don't know that, I guess. <laughs> we don't know. I suppose the ghost of Tuco can that's come right. back. Yeah. Get it, get an MVP vote. All right. Anything else on this episode, Zach? Nope. That's it. All right. Well, we will be back next week with a brand new episode of Breaking Pod. We're going to be talking about season three, episode three called IFT. And we look forward to talking to you then. For Breaking Pod, I'm Josh. And I'm Zach. Talk to you then.